You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name. Joining me as always is my good friend Frank Madden. And Frank, the Bucks got a split this weekend. They played two good teams and they got a split. Um, so that's the way I'm going to frame it because I don't know if I want to think about it the other way. Um, so let's talk about those two games. The Bucks win 122-119 in overtime against the Toronto Raptors on Friday night, and they lose 123-121 to the Pelicans in overtime on Sunday. And since I guess I'd prefer to end on a depressing note, we're going to talk about the Raptors game first. Uh, Bucks end up having big games from, I mean... I shouldn't, I shouldn't even say big, because I don't know if any of those are huge games, but just solid games from Giannis, Chris, and Bledsoe. Uh, Giannis has 26 points, 6 assists, 12 rebounds, 2 steals, a block. Middleton, 21 points, 5 assists, 3 rebounds. Bledsoe, 21 points, 8 rebounds, 4 assists. Um, and they're just kind of solid across the board, but... I don't think I can say anything other than Jason Terry had 14 points, four or five from three, two rebounds, an assist, and a steal, a plus four, and was just generally huge <laughs> throughout the game, which is not something... Not, have I said that this entire year? I don't think I have. Um, that's the first time I've said that this entire year, and he was just huge. The Bucks. uh have a huge second quarter, a 42-point second quarter. Uh, their offensive rating for the first three quarters, I think, was 127.9 points per 100 possessions. Um, it ends up slowing down a little bit in the fourth quarter as they get outscored 22-14. to 14. Um, But for most of this game, this was everybody hitting shots, everything going right, everything going well, and the Bucks looking good against a team in the Toronto Raptors that's top five in offense and defense. Yeah, I, I mean, obviously, I, I knew the Raptors were the top team in the East coming into Friday. Um, I, again, again, I don't know if, if necessarily everybody treats them as such, um, given obviously Boston was in first place for much of the season. And, you know, the specter of the Cavs and LeBron sort of still hangs over everybody in the East at this point. But um, they had the best record at home in the league coming into that game as well. So, um, you know, the top team in the East, best record in the league at home. Uh, this is a team that obviously has been playing at a high level for quite some time, and it's a team that the Bucks know well. And Jason Terry alluded to at his halftime interview of, you know, at some point you have to get sick of getting your, your butt whipped or whatever he said. Um, and, I, I wish know, I could have heard the version that happened in the locker room unedited because <laughs> I think it would have been a lot more entertaining, but I need Jason Terry to be my motivational speaker for the rest of my life. Like I'm, I was ready to run through a wall hearing that at the half. Yeah. And, you know, you look into it. I mean, we've talked a lot about and it makes sense, right? I mean, you look at the the Raptors sort of like 
best players, um, you wouldn't look at them as being like a better group than the Bucks, even, right? I mean, DeRozan, uh, Lowry, and I don't know who you'd pick as like the third, like Ibaka maybe. Um, you know, I mean, I think I'd be pretty comfortable putting Giannis Middleton and uh, and Bledsoe against those guys and saying, you know, it's not like you're, you know, however many games back in the East they actually are, <laughs> you know, just based on the strength of your top three. But the Toronto bench has been terrific and, and the role players, the young guys they have have been great all year. And um, I think it says a lot that, you know, at the final whistle, the Bucks bench, which has been obviously a weak point for much of the year, uh, outscored their bench 42 to 41. That, you know, again, that's not the only barometer, obviously, of um, of the quality of uh, of contributions from from a bench and from kind of the role players. But, um, you know, uh, Terry talked about wanting to, you know, th- believing that their bench was was as good or better than theirs. And, um, you know, probably most nights that's not going to be the case. But obviously on this one night in February in Toronto, uh, they did. And, you know, as you said, Terry uh, hit a bunch of big shots, none bigger than uh, a kind of fling at the rim that he had from the corner after Giannis miraculously saved the ball to him when it looked like he was losing the ball out of bounds. And hitting that shot, um, which I believe tied the game in overtime after the Bucks had gone down five, probably was the biggest shot of the game in yep. a lot of ways. You know, I mean, again, from a Bucks perspective, uh, obviously you could say Valanchunas' game-tying dunk at the end of regulation was the biggest from the Raptor side. But, um, but yeah, Terry's shot was huge. It was a very low percentage shot. Clock was running down. It was a desperation shot. It goes in, and they uh, Giannis creates uh, another three, this time a more traditional good look for Chris. Uh, Giannis driving, kicking out, gets a hockey assist, move the ball to Middleton on the wing. He hits another three on the next trip, and they go up three. And again, they kind of bogged down. Um, you know, Bledsoe, Brogd- or Bledsoe and Middleton took some tough mid-rangers, which was like, uh, you know, kind of same same stuff that we've kind of wrung our hands over previously. Um, but ultimately, at the end, you know, Giannis hit a bunch of jump shots in clutch in clutch situations on Friday. And I think at one point he was six out of 16 and he ended up 11 out of 22 and hit a number of big shots, uh, including their first bucket along to in overtime. And then, you know, none bigger than uh, a step back along the baseline. Uh, I don't know how many seconds were left in, in OT, but, you know, basically to set up the Raptors last possession. So, um, you know, clutch Giannis has been kind of a thing for a while now. He's, uh, I think Dean tweeted out his, his stats. He's like over 60% shooting in clutch situations this year. Um, and again, we saw it, you know, in in Washington. We've seen it in other games where he's been able to make big shots, um, despite his really continued struggles as a jump shooter this year. And obviously, it's it's pretty exciting to see because you know that's kind of what superstars do. They will their team to to victories in situations where you wouldn't necessarily expect them. And um, certainly for the Bucks, uh, Giannis was the guy. Unfortunately, played 45 minutes, including the overtime, which is not great. Um, but he made big shots and. You know, Middleton and Bledsoe weren't certainly front and center. They both missed some shots in, in the last minutes of regulation and uh, and overtime. Um, but again, you know, five out of ten for Middleton, 21 points. We've complained a lot about his performance against the Raptors and every other good team in the league. Um, and, you know, again, Chris, you know, that line, you definitely live with that. And Bledsoe, 21 points on 13 shots, eight boards, four assists, did have five turnovers. But again, you'll happily take that. He outplayed Kyle Lowry. So, um, you know, tough to complain. The bench delivered and, you know, the, the starters, as you see, uh, delivered their, delivered their side of the equation as well. 
Yeah, it was just kind of uh, it, it was an interesting game because so much was going right for the Bucks. <laughs> like I just kept waiting. Like after the first quarter, I was like, oh, okay, well maybe things not aren't going so good. Then they have that forty-two point second quarter, and you're thinking, oh. Third quarter, for sure, the the offense will really kind of you know just cool off. They'll start missing shots, and that wasn't the case. Like they kept it rolling, and then that did eventually hit in the fourth quarter. And uh, then you have Middleton miss a free throw late, and then you give up the dunk to Valanciunas to tie it up in overtime uh, or to send it to overtime. And then you have the Raptors score the first five points of overtime in relatively quick succession like it was uh, i think maybe 90 seconds for them to get those five points and the bucks go go down five to start the overtime period so it it was just kind of a a crazy game where you knew the swing was gonna come back in the other direction this is the nba that is kind of what always happens like no matter how big of a lead it is, it's pretty rare that you're going to be able to hold someone off, especially one of the best teams in the league. You're just not going to keep them down for an entire game. And the Raptors made their run, the Bucks answered, and then uh, just a series of, of big plays in that overtime period. And um, just kind of, I mean, I just thought a, a really impressive win. I think that's, uh, I can't think of one better i think that's the win of the year uh thus far this season against this raptors team i think there's obviously some added meaning with the the history that the bucks have with the raptors and then them having the best record in the league or the best record in the east at the time and i just think there was a lot there that really made you think wow that was a huge win and i just think those game like you said we haven't seen middleton have a good game against a good team in a long time. So for him to do it uh, was big. Bledsoe, I thought, was fantastic throughout portions of that game, if not the entire game, where, and I guess that continued into the Pelicans game as well. But I think he's figuring out the moments where he can really use his speed and get defenders off balance and we're seeing a number of those drives now where it's a hard straight line drive and either he's just blowing by a point guard or he a point guard's bouncing off of him like say they cut him off and then they bounce off i think he got rondo on one uh on sunday i think he got lowry on one or two uh early in the game on friday night like that, to me, that's the blood so that I think you want to see the one that's picking his spots and, and the one that's figuring out what those moments are, not stalling out the ball uh, offensively, keeping everything moving and finding those sort of moments to attack. And when he's doing that, this is, I mean, I just think it's a Bucks team that becomes very dangerous because he's adding an element that they didn't have that if it is out of Giannis's hands, I think in the past you could kind of re- relax and say, okay, well, no one's really going to beat you off the dribble. Like Chris might get into a spot and make a nice pass, or Chris might be able to get a step and then hit a pull-up jumper, but no one's going to get like an easy look. And Bledsoe is someone with his speed and strength that can do that. So um, it, it just, to me, that that Bucks team for, through the first three quarters looked like the team I think you you kind of hoped they would look like when they traded for Bledsoe. Like all of the, all the pieces were kind of working with the big three, um, or Giannis and two other guys, however you want to call it. Um, but those three guys I thought were all great. And then 
Henson had a really solid game uh, where he was able to do some rim running and uh, had that obviously has that nice chemistry with Chris in the pick and roll. Thon hit some shots off the bench. Jason Terry had a good game. Sterling Brown was the agitator he always is. He hits a couple threes. Like I just thought, thought it was, and I mean even Jabari Parker didn't have the best game, but moments where he was cutting and making an impact off the ball as well. Um, so it just felt like a game where the Bucks look to be close to the peak of their strengths. And I just don't know that we've seen, I don't know if we've seen many of those games since, since Bledsoe has been there. Um, and certainly I don't think we've really seen one since Jabari has been back. And I think it was just good to see all of that because there, it, it was a nice reminder that the Bucks when they are at the peak of their powers can be really dangerous. Yeah, I think the downside is, you know, they needed a lot of Giannis jump shots to ultimately win the game. Um, Bledsoe had a driving layup, I think one of the ones you're thinking of, with uh, 149 left in the fourth quarter that, you know, where he went left, I believe, and got got right passing. It was Lowry. Maybe it was Fan Fleet. I forget who was guarding him. But, um, so he got a really easy bucket there. And to be honest, I, I'm not sure the Bucks got another easy shot the rest of the game, aside from Middleton's wide open wing three. Yeah. Um, you know, and again, I mean, it's normal in a lot of ways. I mean, this is sort of how these games go. They they grind out. Um, you know, offenses become a lot more conservative. Becomes a lot more one on one. And obviously, you know, it worked out for the Bucks because they went through Giannis a lot, and Giannis made enough shots. Um, you know, Bledsoe in particular missed some uh, some l- less attractive shots uh, after that. But um, yeah, again, I mean, it's uh, you know, I think I think not just you know, beating the best team in the East on the road. But um, I think also the timing of it too. I mean, coming into the all-star break with all the question marks about like, okay, well, yeah, you guys have nice, nice record, but can you guys actually beat a good team? Right. Yep. And um, you know, short of going into golden state and beating the warriors. I mean, this is kind of as impressive as a win as you could have gotten really. Right. Um, and to get that test right out of the all-star break and to pass it as, as much as it was a grind and a slog at the end. Um, obviously that's, that's a big lift and, you know, you would have said, Oh, great. Get some, uh, you know, terrific momentum coming out of the all-star break that you can kind of hopefully carry into the next week of games. Um, and unfortunately that didn't happen. (laughs) (laughs) No, it did not happen. Uh, Sunday happened, and things did not go quite as well for the Bucks. Uh, they lose 123-121 to the Pelicans. Uh, they have a, let's see, I'm trying to think what the score is, 66-49 to lead at the half. Um, and then they give up a 38-19 to third quarter but the Pelicans come right back in. And after the game, uh, we can get into the fourth quarter and overtime and kind of end of game stuff. But after the game, that was the thing everyone was circling, whether it was Joe Prunty, Chris Middleton, Giannis, Adetokounmpo. Like, it didn't really matter who it was. It was the third quarter that they were circling, that they let the Pelicans back in, they let the Pelicans get going, and – Ultimately, they paid for it because even if they did kind of right the ship and get themselves to overtime and do some of those things, they gave up that third quarter and it was an absolute killer. Let the Pelicans get back in and then it made the game tougher as they had to try to close it out. And they just didn't have an answer for uh, Holiday Davis and to a lesser extent, Miritich. And it, it was just kind of, I mean, disappointing to watch because you. I don't know if you could have had a, really a greater start to 
coming out of the all-star break than going on the road and beating uh beating the raptors and then even if it does get a little bit ugly like finding a way to beat a pelicans team that is 33 and 26 on the season like finding a way to beat that team and put together two good wins against two strong teams that would to me would would have been a bit of a statement instead now we're talking about what could have been and being able to beat this pelicans team and what they could have done better and what went wrong when really they could have made a statement and said all right we're here to be taken seriously we're going to take care of business and that just wasn't what happened on sunday yeah and important i mean people are going to look at the 123 points they allowed and say well where was the defense well the defense was actually better than average the the offensive rating for the Pelicans was only 108.7, but the game was played at a really fast pace. Obviously, there was an overtime period involved. Um, and, you know, you look at kind of the big numbers that some of the Pelicans put up. I mean, Miritich was 5 out of 15. He had 14 yep. points, but certainly shooting, he was 1 out of 8 from 3. Um, I will happily take 14 points on 15 shots if I'm defending Nikola Miritich. Um and similar, Anthony Davis. I mean, Davis has been tremendous of late. Um, I mean, he was better than Giannis because Giannis wasn't good today. But um, 27 points on 26 shots. Um, he had 13 boards, two steals, two blocks. I mean, obviously the numbers were there, but I mean, he wasn't efficient as a scorer. And Holiday, I mean, he scored yeah. 36. That's great, but he took 31 shots. I yeah. mean, you know, so none of those guys were, you know, on fire in a pra- You know, like when you really look at it statistically, who was really efficient? I mean, the one guy who was actually probably the most efficient, who played the biggest role, was probably Rajon Rondo, who I feel like has had way too many of these games against the Bucks over the years. Um, he has 16 points on 11 shots, 12 assists, eight boards, um, including a banked in three including a banked in three that gave him a four point lead in overtime. I think it was that, you know, that was seemed like the backbreaker, although ultimately obviously the bucks did have a chance uh, in the end to tie it. Um, you know, Chris Middleton with a bad play um, to what get blocked by Miritich, lose the ball out of bounds. Giannis misses a shot at the end of the game that could have uh, that could have tied it. And uh, you know, f- f- sad that we look back on Friday and the guys that we highlighted Giannis and Jason Terry, well, on Sunday, Giannis, I think after I think early in the third quarter, he made a shot to go to six out of ten from the field. Well, he misses his last eight shots from the field, basically, you know, completely choking away the game from yep. the field. Um, he did make eight out of ten. He did make free throws in the fourth quarter, so thankfully there was that. Um, but twenty points on eighteen shots. I mean, that's just not good enough. You know, he's supposed to be the best player on the court. I don't know what he was today. The fifth best player on the court. Like, I mean, defensively, yeah. obviously, he's a big impact guy, but. Um, you know, he, this is really bad for him offensively by his standards. And, um, you know, again, if you told me that Middleton would give you 25 on 16 shots, Bledsoe would give you 20 on 15 shots and, you know, nine boards, five assists from Bledsoe, um, you know, that, that should be good enough, right? Parker. I mean, we'll talk about Jabari, 18 points on 14 shots. He was really active. The most points he scored since he's come back. Um, again, you look at kind of a lot of those supporting cast guys and you'd say there was enough there, you know, like, if Giannis does what normally has a normal normal Giannis game, then you win this game easily, um, and and you win it because you know you were looking like you were early in that third quarter. But um, again, I thought the Pelicans did a really nice job. You know, pretty unconventional. They put you know Drew Holiday was guarding Giannis for extended periods, who should in no way be able to contain him size wise. But they had Anthony Davis behind him and. Giannis just couldn't finish on Anthony Davis. He couldn't make jump shots. Um, you know, it was just a grind and sort of, you know, I, I tweeted out clutch Giannis was a thing, all caps on Friday. And 
Um, unfortunately, tonight Giannis, you know, it wasn't there. Mean reversion set in badly <laughs> for Giannis tonight on Sunday. And Jason Terry, um, you know, uh, he started the year off two out of 18 from three. Uh, January 26th, um, since then, he was 15 out of 25 in three weeks. Whew. I mean, you know, 18 threes in the first – he attempted 18 threes in what the first, like, three and a half months of the season. <laughs> and then he makes basically 15 out of 25 in four weeks. So he's been big for, you know, he's had a number of these games where he's hit like three, three threes. Um, and tonight, though, 0 out of 7 from the field, 0 for 4 from 3. And his the one shot he made comes after the buzzer, which would have, would have won it uh, in overtime at, at the end of the game. So, um, so yeah, I mean, this is just, this is the way it goes, right? You mean, if you, if you don't have con- kind of enough consistency, you're liable to, to suffer letdowns like this. And again, I mean, New Orleans isn't a bad team at all. Um but again, this, these are these games. The East is so tight right now. Um, you have to be taking care of, of business at home. And certainly against a Pelicans team that is dangerous, but did not have their best. This was not the, the a game, an A game from, from New Orleans, especially offensively. Um, this was a big, a big opportunity lost. And, you know, it's, uh, it's certainly going to be one that's going to stick with the Bucks Cause you know, if you, uh, certainly from our perspective, considering we didn't podcast on Friday, you know, you look at this weekend as, as, you know, a, a two game set it, you come away feeling pretty hollow because you had such a great opportunity after Friday to, to make it two and oh, instead you lose ground. And, um, I'm, I don't have to check here what the, where the bucks are in the East, but you know, again, you'd, you'd hate to have been told that the bucks would win in Toronto, on Friday and they'd be worse off in the standings by the end of the weekend than they started. Right. I mean, that just sucks, but that's, that's kind of the reality. I think, uh, yeah, there's still a half game up on Philadelphia, which lost, uh, which is still seventh there. They're, uh, they lost today to Washington, but you know, again, Washington is putting a little bit of distance. They're a game and a half up on the bucks. Uh, the Pacers are a game up. And again, I mean, the bucks are going to have a bunch of games like this against teams of similar quality as new Orleans. And, you got to do better than this. Yeah, and uh, uh, man, it's it's just kind of days like today can be so frustrating with Giannis because, I mean, this is how this is how teams can guard them. Like, and again, as I'll say throughout, teams aren't always going to have an Anthony Davis. Teams aren't always going to have a Hassan Whiteside on the backside, but good teams do for the most part. Like the better teams in the league are going to have someone that can protect the rim. It, it, you think about kind of what this Bucks schedule uh, will look like going forward. And um, like, you think of a team like the Sixers, like they got a guy that can do it. Like, there's going to be roadblocks like this throughout the year and teams are going to dare him to shoot jumpers. And uh, today, I mean, I'm not sure I've seen someone play off him quite as much as the Pelicans have in a while. I mean, Drew Holiday was going under screens and going under screens by three or four people wide, like just all the way under, didn't care. And that was largely what the Pelicans were doing the whole time. And Giannis just couldn't hit his jumpers. And I mean, got to a point where he wasn't even trying jumpers, like just had straight up given up on those jumpers. And it just becomes really hard. I thought Anthony Davis was doing a really nice job from the backside. There was a couple times where Giannis was able to attack, get to the rim, and then he was met in that spot by Anthony Davis. And Anthony Davis is obviously a special player that's going to be able to uh, affect those shots, but he has to be better. Like 20 points on 6 of 18 shooting, 
it's, it's simply not enough. And, uh, yeah, you mentioned it. Middleton going for 25 and Bledsoe going for 20. You're thinking just about any time that's going to be enough. And, and it just wasn't. So uh, it, it's kind of a struggle. And I know down the stretch you want to see Giannis get touches. And I think it would be fine to say give him the ball some more. But also Middleton and Bledsoe hit a bunch of shots late. <laughs> they got open looks and they were able to make things happen. And um, though Clutch Giannis has been a thing, the you just have to kind of figure out exactly um, exactly how to get him good looks. And a lot of the times he's able to create good looks. I know he mentioned after the game that, you know, he got to a spot that he wanted for that final shot. Um, but if the jumper's not going and uh, you think about the way that Giannis shoots from the mid-range as is, that's not a great shot either. We've talked about that before, that as Bucks fans – I think everyone's okay with seeing it more often because they like Giannis and they want Giannis to start shooting more. But at the same time, it's not a particularly good high percentage shot. Um, so I, I don't know. Like it, I think that is always going to kind of be until that jump shot gets figured out, like that's going to kind of be a difficult, hairy position for the Bucks because with Bledsoe and with Giannis, Teams are going to go under that, and those shots are going to be there, but do you want to actually take those shots? And with Middleton, uh, those shots aren't going to be there, but that is a way to bend the defense and to get people to help and to try to actually draw other people out and create something larger. Like That was probably your best avenue to create something. So I don't know. Like Clutch time bucks is interesting because – we we both know and we've talked about this clutch time becomes iso time throughout the nba like that is just largely how you do things in that in that time period it cuts down on turnovers and makes sure that you're going to get a shot but at the same time with the bucks uh, iso jumpers i don't know how much anyone's going to love seeing that from any of those three guys Yeah, I mean, that I, I think, and, and I forget who it was, somebody tweeted me on Friday, you know, saying it doesn't make you nervous or something to the fact of like, well, they won the game, but, you know, they were just chucking mid-range jumpers basically the last 10 minutes or whatever. And, you know, again, Giannis made enough of them to, to win the game. Um, and so is is that like a little bit not of a warning sign? And, and I mean, again, it is, um, but it's also, that's how a lot of teams play late, right? And I think certainly we talk a lot about wanting um, you know, all those guys to take, turn more of those long twos into threes, um, you know, just from a probability standpoint, just again, getting three rather than two on, on tough shots, uh, would be nice. Um, but uh, again, I think that's certainly a question mark. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it's tough because again, every, all these games are going to matter. Um, and, uh, yeah, you, you can't help but feel like somebody slipped away. I mean, again, even put aside the 18 point lead in the third quarter. I mean, you know, this is a game I think you go into saying, Hey, you know, these are the games we got to win. If we're going to be a better team, right. If we're going to be more than, you know, a team that is in the bottom half of the playoff bracket in the East, um, these are the games you have to win. And again, it's not against another East team. I mean, those games are of particular importance. I mean, these games against teams like the Pacers and wizards, those games are doubly important because if you lose, the other team is obviously gaining what you lost on them, on you. Um, but uh, again, just uh, a way to, you know, feel like a, a, a bit of a, you know, a certainly a, a getting knocked down and feeling like a lot of that momentum from Friday is lost, which is too bad. 
I guess on that topic, I think something that's interesting is, I, I mean, for a 48-win team, is a split all that surprising in this game? Like, isn't that kind of what you would, like this weekend, I should say, isn't that what you'd expect? And I guess just kind of the thing I always struggle with is nights like this, or excuse me, days like this where the Bucks fall uh, to a Pelicans team, there's the... I guess there's the reflex of Bucks fans to be like, oh, same old Bucks, lose to a crappy team, can't put wins together, like all this stuff. But like, that wasn't the Atlanta Hawks they lost to. Like the Pelicans are a playoff team in the Western Conference. Like the Pelicans, even without Boogie Cousins, have won I think five of the last ten, and Anthony Davis has been bananas. Like, is a split a bad outcome there? Other than for someone that wants to raise the Bucks' expectations even higher than a 48-win team? Well, no, but we know that they won on Friday. So it's like on Friday afternoon, it's not a bad result. But after you win the game on Friday, you've got yeah. the hard one in the bag, right? I mean, then you basically lost all the opportunity you had to get a sweep, right, which would have been harder. Um, and again, not a, not a high probability event, but mostly because you shouldn't have won the game on Friday. So, um, you know, I, I think the Bucks should absolutely feel shitty about the way their weekend ended, right? And they, again, they should feel good about what happened on Friday. But, um, you know, it was, it was definitely, uh, you know, an, an opportunity lost on, on Sunday. Because again, Bucks, you know, we talked about, um, you know, this idea of, you know, to be a team that goes into the high 40s and wins, you know, you want to probably win two thirds of your home games. Today, the Bucks would have gone up to, you know, winning two out of every three home games if they had won. They're 19 and 10 coming into this game. Um, if they go up to 20 and 10, um, you know, you look at that home record, and you start to feel pretty good. And on the road, they're almost 500. They're 14 and 15. Right. So, um, you know, you think about, again, how do you kind of go to where the Bucks need to go or, or beyond where they have been? If you can win two thirds of your home games, 27 or 28 of those, you go around 500 on the road. Say you win 20 out of 41 there. That puts you at 47, 48 wins, which I think at this point, obviously, especially the way the season started, would be a pretty good result. Um, so, again, again, that's kind of like thinking about it a, diff- a different way maybe than we normally would. But, um, again, you just kind of hate to to not defend the home court, especially because, what, it was a sellout crowd, I think, right? Um, <laughs> it was you know, pretty another, wild in there. On a, another, on another, another game where, um, you know, you, you kind of hate to send people home, um, you know, un- uh, dissatisfied with things because, uh, you know, again, you, you, you can't always count on, on that type of crowd. And um, although I have to say, man, I don't know. I don't think the Bucks record in matinees is as bad as I, as that feels it is, but I feel like they've had a lot of letdowns on matinee games and I, I don't know. I, I just, <laughs> I just always have a bad feeling going into games in afternoons. That's just my official, my official. Okay. Feeling. I didn't like, I think I know they beat the wizards on MLK and, you know, I think they've beaten the nets a couple times in matinees this year. And, you know, so I, I don't think their record <laughs> is really that bad, but man, it just feels like it's, uh, I just, I just am always wary going to these matinee games. Well, the good news is, Frank, there's only one more Sunday matinee left. Um, so don't 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 fret too much, Frank. Um, let's see, yeah, because the Sixers game next Sunday is a night game on ESPN, which is kind of strange—a Sunday night game. Um, that's it's not something we normally see, but um, 
I guess any other thoughts on this weekend? Um, I guess we should talk a little bit about Jabari Parker. He has 18 points, uh, the most he's had in a game since coming back. He played 24 minutes, the most he's played in a game since coming back. Uh, 7 of 14 from the field, 2 of 3 from 3, six rebounds, two assists, a steal. I think just, I mean, I thought over the weekend, the thing... I'm most encouraged by with Jabari Parker is seeing him uh, get some of that timing back a little bit where um, I know I was talking to Chris Middleton a little bit about this after the game where he was saying that it's kind of like the little things like finding out where the flow is and where he needs to be and the timing. And obviously he's playing with Bledsoe for the first time. And obviously the Bucks have kind of changed as a team since he was gone. So trying to figure out, exactly where he needs to be on the floor where you can find these cuts and uh, even in toronto he didn't have a great game but there was a couple of those cuts that he made where you're just like oh that's that's an aggressive jabari cutting off ball and finding a gap and opening and being able to punch through it and it was kind of exciting and then i i think on sunday you saw a little bit of that he i mean he, he got stuffed on a baseline bari uh by Diallo but at the same time it was a perfect cut he found out he found that soft spot got to exactly where he needed to be and it was just like oh okay like he's starting to find that flow again and then on Sunday too obviously the breakneck pace helped out in this but some of the transition finishes where I I still don't understand his dribble moves um I always think he's like his top half doesn't match his bottom half um like he'll be going in between the legs, but it'll be shimmying his shoulder. I, I don't know. I, I still don't comprehend him in transition. Um, but he made a number of those baskets where he was able to put his head down, put his shoulder into somebody, finish through somebody. Um, and they weren't for dunks, but just for close finishes. And um, I thought Sunday that guy kind of looked a lot like the like the guy I remember. Yeah, I mean, he he's was using his body. I mean, it was weird. Like, I mean, both these games, I mean, like on Friday, like his jump shot looked totally broken, <laughs> totally broken today. He hit what, a couple of threes, um, but also missed badly some jump shots. Um, he was two but- of three from three today. Two of them I thought looked great. Like, I think they were catch and shoot looks both from Giannis. I know one from Giannis for sure. And yeah. then the third one. Good God, it looked terrible. <laughs> it was an air ball by a good foot or so. So just kind of strange. But yes, two of three from three. Yeah, so it was a little weird because it still feel, felt like this weekend, you know, most of his stuff was attacking the rim and, and using his body and physicality and athleticism. Um, on Friday, you know, it was nice to see him and Giannis have a nice connection on a uh, a high pick and roll. Or I don't know if it was an – I think, it, yeah, it was high. It wasn't an elbow get situation. Um, Jabari, uh, Pertle came – sorry – Pelletel came too slowly from the baseline and Jabari uh, dunked it over top of him. Um, and uh, again, as you said, yeah, he did have that like up and under kind of rim check deal. I couldn't really tell if he got a st- little stripped up on the way up or, or what, but um, but didn't finish that one. But otherwise um, was using that body and, and just sort of like bulldozed a couple of smaller defenders in the post, yeah. um, which I know we talked about before he came back that you don't like him in the post against smaller guys. I do. Um, and I just kind of, I don't know. It's, it's interesting. Cause like his numbers last couple of years, he's been a better, like his synergy post numbers are, are good. Like mm-hmm. I think he's been above one point per possession point per play better than Giannis both years. Um, and so it's kind of interesting cause they're just such different players. 
Um, and <laughs> that one he had today, where he somehow posted a guard so hard. He on... almost traveled. Like they pulled the chair, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, he like posted the dude so hard on the left block. He got the chair pulled, and then somehow ended up almost on the right block, and then like essentially just grounded and threw up like a layup high off the glass and it was the strangest thing i've ever i it was just weird but yeah it worked like again the the dude did not want any part of him yeah so i i don't know i mean that that's just kind of we saw we're seeing glimpses you know of just like situations where he does stuff that nobody else on the team does that you know like yeah. i mean obviously Giannis can drive on guys and dunk and do like amazing things but he, he still does it kind of differently you know and Giannis is so much about like his stride lengths rather than just like, you know, he's really not just like a pure explosion guy. Whereas Jabari, they Violence. both kind of, yeah, they, they kind of get to similar results when they drive, but they do it in such different fashions from a physicality standpoint. So, um, so obviously, yeah, I mean, seeing that is, is encouraging. Right. And, um, I think he had a block at the, did he have a block at the, like he caught somebody near the basket on Friday, maybe, um, you know, so it, it's, it's one of those things, right? I mean, you obviously like to see the results. Um, you know, he started off pretty inefficiently today, um, but played, I think, what was this? Was this his longest stint? I think he played 24 yep. minutes close to it on Friday. Um, so, I mean, you just like to see him, his activity level. Um, you know, again, the way he got his buckets on Friday was just by cutting and just dunking on dudes. And um, that's just nice, nice to see, right? Because, again, you know, a big question, obviously, at the end of this year is how do you begin to integrate Giannis or sorry, Jabari into these lineups? And I, I still don't know what they're going to do. I mean, do they ever start him? I don't know. Right. I mean, it's hard because I don't think his best fit is as a starter with this group. But, you know, this summer you're going to have to make a decision. It's like, well, you know, are you going to give him some massive contract on the premise that he's just going to be a 30 minute per game, six man that you're going to just going to stagger with Giannis and play maybe close games sometimes. Like it's really tough. Um, and so again, like I don't want to get ahead of things either too much, but, um, you know, obviously you have to feel good about him beginning to look a bit, you know, he had really one bad game against Miami. And other than that, you know, he scored pretty consistently. Um, he's, you know, I think he's, again, uh, there, there's still definitely moments where the timing doesn't look there and, you know, rhythm on a jumper is comes and goes, but overall, obviously, you know, the, I think I'd, I'd have to check, you know, what his numbers are going to be after, um, after today, but certainly, you know, I, the biggest concern is obviously that he comes back and the athleticism isn't there and, you know, he can't score effectively and, you know, he's just settling for jump shots and his rhythm isn't there or whatever. You know, I mean, he's averaging 20, 20 points per 40, um, 56% true shooting, right? To give you guys a sense, you know, his last season, um, he was at 23.7 points per 40 on 56% true shooting. So the efficiency is there. Um, you know, he's not scoring maybe at the same volume, but that's probably understandable given that he's, you know, probably still feeling his way into the offense a little bit, especially when he's out there with, um, you know, the most of the starters. So, um, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see, you know, just sort of what the Bucks decide to do there. Um, you know, do they actually get to the point where they move Chris back to shooting guard and play Giannis and uh, and Jabari at the forward spots? I, I think it'll be interesting to see. Um, anything else on Jabari, or do you want to talk maybe a little bit about the centers before uh, before we wrap up? Yeah, I think I think that sounds good to me. Um, I just think we're getting closer and closer to seeing uh, parts of of that Jabari. I, I'm sort of interested with. 
I would have to look back, but this feels like the slowest they've brought along one of their injury guys. Um, with and I mean, I only have a sample size of two. Um, Javari Parker coming back from a serious injury and Chris Middleton coming back from a serious injury, but it feels like they ramped both of those guys up quicker. Um, with those two injuries and it, it's just been interesting I've been waiting for I mean a 25 minute night or getting closer to 30 and I, I thought for a second tonight might be that night um, and then Jabari plays 24 minutes so I, I'm curious to see what they do the rest of the way like how high that number gets and if it does get higher, does it get higher quickly? Does it get higher uh, once we get to April? Like, uh, wh- how does that work? Because you're also a team trying to contend and uh, get everything right and ready to go for the playoffs as well. So um, I-, I think that'll be interesting to watch. All right. Uh, for the bigs, I thought in Toronto, the, the Bucks need to hypnotize Thonmaker and tell him that he's playing in Toronto yep. every single night. Um <laughs> In the first half. Tell them it's a first half in Toronto. (laughs) I joked that they need to get a Drake lookalike and put him courtside. Like, whatever they need to do to convince Thon that he is playing in Toronto is what they need to do. Um, 18 minutes for him against the Raptors. He has scored 12 points. I think all 12 come in the first half. I'm trying to think if maybe... Maybe he's a little bit less, but yeah, he had a, a really nice first half. John Henson plays 35 minutes, and I thought he was strong throughout that. Um, and then w- against the Pelicans, I, I got to say, I was thinking John Henson was going to get a little bit more run um, just because I thought he's maybe a little bit better matchup against Anthony Davis than Tyler Zeller or Thon Maker, but um, it did kind of turn into one of those, I, I mean, the big man rotation carousel, um, which we saw get special. Yeah. Like which you saw many, many times over the years with kid. And that kind of happened today where you see 27 minutes for Henson, 15 for maker and 11 for Zeller and uh, Zeller's 11. I, did it all come in the second half or did he see a little bit of run in the first half? But it, it certainly felt like uh, a longer stretch of time for Zeller in the second half. And I don't know. It's just, I, I think it's something that can be really difficult to manage. Um, but I think also that maybe it's necessary because you do still want Thon to get reps. You do still want him uh, to keep it moving forward and keep developing. Uh, but at the same time, there just might be games where Thon isn't really feeling it. And I don't even necessarily know that tonight was one of those nights. Uh, he had six points in 15 minutes, three rebounds, two assists. Uh, he was a plus five. Zeller was plus six in 11 minutes. Henson was minus 13 in 27 minutes. Um, so I, I don't know where, where you're, where's your head at with, uh, with that three man, that three-man rotation at center. Yeah, I mean, I I understood. Again, I said before the All-Star break that Zeller had done enough to replace Don as the backup center. Um, obviously, Henson comes back uh, on Friday. Um, looked generally okay coming back from that hamstring injury. Um, I, I, you know, again, I I hate the idea of like starting guys just because it's their hometown or something like that. Just because I think that's kind of stupid. But it does seem to historically like. At some point, like, you know, the sample becomes too hard to ignore. I mean, Thon has been demonstrably better (laughs) 
against the Raptors than any other team in the league, basically. Um, you know, especially like defensively in the playoffs last year. I mean, offensively, it wasn't great in the playoffs last year, but, you know, he just seemed so engaged last last year in the playoffs against them. And, you know, he has had some good offensive games against them. So I, I don't I didn't mind playing him. Um, you know, fortunately, I think he started four out of four and then missed his last five shots. So he really faded as the game went on. Um, and then, you know, again, to see him play more minutes than Zeller on uh, on Sunday, you know, did that cost the Bucks the game? Well, I mean, he was two out of five, scored six points, three rebounds, two assists. I mean, they were plus five with him on the court. You know, it's not like, you know, there was some obvious thing we can point to where he came in the game and the Bucks like just got totally destroyed. I mean, I'd have to look in the second half if he was part of some of the the run that where they really got dismantled in the third quarter. But you know, I think most of that was probably against the the starters. I mean, Henson was a minus thirteen in this game, so you can imagine, you know for whatever it's worth that the most of the the buck struggles in that third quarter came with Henson on the court. So, you know, again, not painting it on Henson or, or whatever. Right. I mean, again, yeah. single game plus minus is very, 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 very noisy to the point of, you know, not being particularly useful unless you can really kind of tie it to, you know, specific stints or matchups, things like that. But, um, but again, so, uh, you know, again, did Thon cost the bucks, you know, the game by getting played on Sunday, probably not. But again, I mean, Zeller, I just think is, is a better, more reliable player at this point. And, you know, again, if I'm just trying to win games every night, um, I would probably say play Zeller and Henson. And, you know, again, if you've got foul trouble or some other extenuating circumstance, you know, throw Thon out there. But it, it's tough. I mean, I don't, again, I'm, I'm someone who wants to see what Thon can do. You know, I don't want to just bury Thon and say, you know, wait for summer league or something like that, or yeah. go, go play in Oshkosh. Um, but, uh, but it's, it's, it's tough, but uh, you know, either way, I, I don't think necessarily that that obviously necessarily decided, uh, the game today, but, um, you know, again, by the same token, you lost by two points on a final possession in overtime, right? <laughs> by definition, any single little thing could have turned the tide in this game. And, um, you know, I think that's going to be something we're obviously watching for, um, as, as we move forward. Um, one other thing I want to know, we talked a lot about the shooting guards before the the, the All-Star break and how both Snell and, and Sterling Brown were struggling. Um, on Sunday, Sterling Brown goes four out of five, nine points, four boards in 20 minutes. Um, he obviously had been in a prolonged slump shooting the ball. Uh, Snell, nine points, one out of three from three, hit a huge three to give them that 7.2-point lead going into halftime. Um, all was right in the world. Did have three steals, but... <laughs> Six turnovers? How? How, how is does that Tony possible? Snell get six turnovers? That's insane. I kept talking about how adventurous he was being with the dribble throughout the day because I've never seen him think he can do that much off the dribble. Like I, and honestly, there was probably another one. I'm trying to think how that one ended. He was going up for a dunk, and or maybe it was an alley to Jabari Parker, and somehow it got mixed up, and I think the Bucks scored on it. I can't remember who it was. Um, maybe Zeller? Uh, whatever it was. But, man, it I just don't know what he's, what he's thinking. And there was just a couple situations where, I guess with, with Giannis right now, he's kind of in that mode where uh, teams are sending doubles so quickly that he's looking to try to find that shooter on the backside. And there was just one in the fourth quarter where he swung it over to the left wing to Snell and the Snell of old would have had that shot up, but instead Snell tried to pass it to Bledsoe, I think, and it got stolen. And it was just like that record scratches from guys that should only be 
shooting or passing immediately like just can't happen and six turnovers from tony snell is unconscionable i like i I don't even understand how that could occur like how does he of all people usage rate at 12 percent or whatever it is like how are you getting six turnovers like it's mind-boggling yeah i i to be honest i don't even know i don't remember him having that many um to give you guys a sense of this tony snell had played the last uh, let's see, four games, which was, let's see, 58, 92, 109 minutes. And he had no turnovers. Yeah. <laughs> he had two turnovers in the entire month of February before this game. Um, you know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to find, I'm just looking at his game log. He has one game with two turnovers. This was the, he had, he's had two games with two turnovers all season. <laughs> okay. This is, Two multi-turnover games all season, and then he just drops into this game on Sunday and just, you know, I mean, turd in the punch bowl, six turnovers. Um, yeah, crazy. I think the three seals is also a season high. Um, I'm, so just just really strange, really strange stuff from, from Tony Snell today. Um, he was, I was going to say, he, he's 0 for 3 and 0 for 2 against the Raptors as well. Um, he is officially in a funk. Um, I know anytime I ask Joe Prunty about it, it's, oh, you know, Tony's still shooting around 40% from three and we'll get Tony out of this and blah, 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 blah. But he's shook right now. He is not the guy that he was. And the Bucks desperately need him to be a guy that can hit threes. Like when we talk about the gravity that this team would attempt to create, I, I mean, it exists on another level when Tony Snell can hit shots and he's currently not doing it. And um, I just think you see the, uh, especially in Toronto that night where Jason Terry goes four for five, Sterling Brown goes two for three. Those two are six of eight from the three point line. Snell is over two. And when those guys are shooting and hitting shots, there's just more room for Giannis. Like, it's just easier for him. So I don't know what is going to snap Tony Snell this funk. I don't know what has caused Tony Snell this funk, but the Bucks got to figure it out. Like, they got to find a way to get him out of it. It's interesting because the last, uh, let's see, five games, I think he's shooting like 35% from three. So, I mean, he's made some threes, but his twos, it's interesting, his twos, I mean, he, he is he hasn't really been making twos at all. And that was one of the things that really turned around for him last year, which obviously you don't talk much about because Snell, so much of his, his game is just spotting up for three. But, you know, one of the ways that he was able to really improve his efficiency by leaps and bounds was the fact that, you know, he was kind of played within himself and he didn't, you know, take a bunch of bad twos. He certainly will take some, some mid range jump shots. And we saw him get to the rim a little bit more kind of attacking closeouts and, you know, being opportunistic. And obviously we just haven't seen that, you know, today, probably the best example, um, you know, he had Jabari calling for an alley-oop on a fast break instead he tries to, you know, be super ambitious and go in for this huge dunk has it basically stripped on the way up and, Thon, Thon Maker somehow got credited for tipping the ball, and I don't know if, if it may have been one of the Pelicans technically that did it, but um, that was probably the one that, that was That, that was the play I was trying to describe. Yeah, it yeah. was Thon. Okay. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I think, uh, you know, a, a weekend of, of highs and lows, let's say. Uh, <laughs> I, th- I think I think we would agree that would be a fair way to characterize it. And, um, again, you know, Wizards in town on Tuesday. Um, Bucks then. Huge had, week huge week yeah bucks bucks traveled to detroit on wednesday so you go uh road back to back there um home and road back to back uh and then you host the pacers on friday 
And then on Sunday, you play that Sunday night game against the Sixers. And then on the back-to-back on Monday, you had head to Indiana. So That's a stretch, man. That is a stretch yeah. of very important games for this Bucks team because those are all teams that are in the area, whether that is above, below. Um, those are Eastern Conference playoff teams or Eastern Conference bubble teams. And that's where you, the Bucks have to do some damage, period. Yeah, and I mean, I think the, you know, one positive is that, you know, Detroit, you know, Charlotte has has won four in a row, so they're kind of trying to claw their way back into at a 27 and 33. Um, they're still, you know, four games back of the eight-seeded heat right now um, and 10th. Uh, but the Pistons really can't, you know, for, for all the bluster and winning some of those easy games they had at the beginning of the Blake Griffin era, um, they've lost a couple in a row now. Yeah. Um, they are are back to two and a half back of the heat and eight, eight seed. So, um, you, you know, we'll see. I mean, there's still a fair bit of time here, but looking at the top eight, you know, I think maybe a few weeks ago you would have said there's really nine teams for eight spots, maybe 10, depending on how Charlotte did, you know, certainly the Knicks might've thought they could have, I mean, we talked about the Knicks of the schedule and things like that. They really probably didn't have a chance, but you know, Porzingis goes down. Okay. The Knicks are out. Um, Charlotte kind of continued to kind of has been slogging through until this last week or two of, of improved play. Um, but Detroit, you know, again, just really not being able to kind of carry that momentum they had on early. Um, certainly, you know, I look at the top eight teams in the East right now. I'd feel pretty good betting that those are going to be the eight teams that go into the playoffs. Same. Um, but by the same token, you know, again, only two and a half games between the Bucks and the Heat. Um, kind of hard to believe, right? Given how bad the Bucks have looked against the Heat this year, <laughs> they still have two and a half games on them, and then you realize, oh, they don't really have any star players, and you know, there's no reason that they should be awesome, but the Bucks somehow make them look that. Um, so anyway, um, so yeah. It, everything to play for and certainly the next week i think will you know it'll say a lot about you know do the bucks kind of stick where they are in the east do they fall down you know do they crash down to closer to the eight spot um or you know can they maybe make a run here they get three games against the wizards and pacers who are ahead of them and um obviously you know again like there's no reason why the bucks cannot hang with the pacers and wizards so um you know it's it's up to them to just go out and prove it now yeah, it should be a fun week. Uh, we will get back into it tomorrow and get you ready for the Bucks game against the Wizards on Tuesday. That is a national TV game on TNT. I'm looking at available tickets uh, here, and there's some cheap ones still available. Um, maybe not quite the sellout that it was this morning. So, Bucks fans, if you're looking to get out there and watch the Bucks play a good team, you still might be able to do it on Tuesday night. So uh, that is going to be... And, a- and we and we think, we, we know LONBA and LO... And we, I think LO Bucks still works too. For, does it really? For SeatGeek promo okay. code. I think it still does. So um, yeah, check it out. Uh, and, uh, you know, hopefully hopefully we'll go home happier than, than Bucks fans did today at least. All right, that was your weekend recap. The Bucks win 122-119 in overtime against the Toronto Raptors on Friday. They lose 123-121 in overtime to the New Orleans Pelicans on Sunday. For Frank, I'm Eric. This has been Locked on Bucks. We'll talk to you tomorrow.